Blog Talk Radio. FringeRadioNetwork.com slash donate. We don't need your money to survive. We pay for the network with our own hard-earned cash. But if you want to help us grow and reach more people, just go to FringeRadioNetwork.com slash donate. For a donation of $20 or more, we'll send you a free network t-shirt. FringeRadioNetwork.com slash donate. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the broadcast. Uh, boy, we've got a big one for you tonight on Christian Conspiracy Theory. This just came out of just a random conversation that Aaron and I was having over my lunch break, actually, right? It was actually over my lunch break. So, a couple of prime questions came up. You know, the baseline foundation for eschatology, what is to come? I mean, these are really some hard-hitting questions uh, that we're going to be bringing up. So, you know, this this is the real patch of ground where the rubber hits the road. What role does the false prophet play in the Christ story? What role does the beast from the abyss play? Does the Madonna play a part? Is there going to be a cloven that plays the role of Mary? Is this whole thing going to play out over the course of, what, 30-odd years? These are very important questions that you really have to come to grips with. And uh, this is important because most people just generically use the term Antichrist. Well, you better define that. Now, all of you know, has been listening to me for well over 10 years, and certainly those of you who have been listening to my preaching for 30 years, knows this, that uh, technically speaking, there is no Antichrist. There's the spirit of Antichrist. This Antichrist fellow uh, that everybody wants to attribute due to the entertainment industry, this person uh, uh, that is supposed to be born... uh, well, let's just go to uh, the Omen movies. The Omen movies had it, uh, the union between the devil uh, and a jackal. Uh, that's what it was. Uh, Damien was born from a jackal. So, this is really hard-hitting stuff that we really do need to come to, to grips with, with what's going on. So, Aaron, your opening diatribe. Um, you know, this is this is pretty important stuff, so... What's your thoughts? Okay, so 
the identity of the Antichrist. You, you state your you stated your position on the Antichrist that he is not a thing. It's a misinterpretation of Scripture. Uh, I still think that it can apply, and I, when I use the terminology Antichrist, I ref I'm I think a very important thing for you all to know is to understand what the word Antichrist means. Okay, so the word anti, when you see it nowadays in English, it seems to mean like to the destroyer of. So like an antivirus is a destroyer of viruses or stopper of viruses. Right. But in in Greek, anti is basically an elongated form of the just the letter alpha. You can just have right. um, just the letter alpha instead of the whole anti. You see it in agnosticism. You know, uh, nos. Uh, it means not knowing, just the A part in the front of it means not. Same with atheism. The first letter A is basically the shortened form of anti. So when it says antichrist, it means the absolute not Christ. It's a negative um, article in um, in Greek, and it just means the op not necessarily the opposite of, but just not. So, the Jesus used another term, the pseudo-Christos, uh, pseudo means the false Christ, mm -hmm. which is, is basically another way to say it. So, who, my position is the Antichrist, you've got to figure out who it is, and modern eschatology has the confusion between the, between the two beasts in the book of Revelation. Mm -hmm. Okay, so people... The, with the Left Behind series, for example, you uh, the false the Antichrist figure represents the beast from the sea, and the beast from the earth is the false prophet. That's right. I say this is not so. I say the beast from the sea is Azazel, an angel, and the Antichrist is the beast from the earth, or the false prophet. So that's my position on it currently. But we're still gonna kind of go through what we think on that topic in this broadcast. But I've had people, two people at my college, at least two people in my college approach me, do you think the Pope is the Antichrist? And I always say he can't be. He can't be the Antichrist. He can't be. Because of what the scripture says what the Antichrist will be, what he will say. And it, first of all I always say the scripture says that the Antichrist will deny the Trinity Right. And he will deny that the Christ has come into the flesh. Come Catholics flesh. accept those two things very adamantly. Yeah. So the Pope could not be that, or else right. he would just be completely rejected by the Catholic Church. Right. So, right. That's my argument to that. I'm like, no, he can't be the Antichrist. I right. would, I could yeah. say that maybe he was more, he would be more connected with Muslims than that, which. But what I, but what we he and I something I had actually been believing before, but kind of opened up in my mind is that in my dad's mind over, uh, over the past few days is that the Bible never says that the Antichrist will claim to be Jesus. Right. It says he will claim to be Christ. He will claim to be Christ. He will, and the word Christ basically is the Greek form of Messiah. The anointed one. Right. The, basically, the anoint Messiah or all that, the, uh, it means the heir to the throne. Someone anointed by God, but most importantly, someone who has the right to the throne of David. Can I interject here? Yeah. 
Yeah, the, the real main problem here is that Jesus is very forthright in what he says. This is what people act like he says. People act like that Jesus said, many will come in my name claiming to be me. That's not what it says. It doesn't say that. He says, many will come in my name claiming to be Christ. Now this open up a barn door. Well, what does he mean by that? Why would he say that? This is uh, one of the one of the main problems that that people have with well, exactly what was Christ? Exactly what was he? Because we know that all things uh, that have been made were made by and through him, right? Yes. Okay, so that is a thing. It 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 is a What's the best way to put it? The best way to put it is, is that Jesus was the hands of God. Yes. yes. That physically did the labor putting it. Yeah, down. that's what I've what I've um what I've learned from through scripture is that uh the the creation action was a triune event. That's why right. that's why the only name of God used in Genesis 1 is Elohim, a plural right. word. Right. So and that's why God in that past in in Genesis one sometimes he he says let us make man and so I, I came to the idea that the father was the one speaking right. the son was the one uh, creating with his hand doing and the the Holy Spirit I'm not exactly sure the the book of Job says that he garnished and. I don't know how you want to interpret that. It may it may mean that he, you know, modified everything, or did he, you know? <laughs> Let's not get down that rabbit hole. Yeah, that's so, another Christian conspiracy theory right there. <laughs> yeah. So the point is, is that this was a triune event, but the Christ figure, the Son, was very pivotal in creation, and the epistles are clear. It says all things were created through him, and without him. Nothing would have been created. He was the very tool by which God the Father created. There we go. <laughs> Alright, let's try Firefox. Alright, so what we're really trying to say, Aaron, is this. Is that that term, uh, technically speaking, is called a demiurge. Yeah, the craftsman, yes. Okay, explain that for what a, de what a demiurge is? Yeah. The demiurge was the creator. In Gnostic interpretation, was the creator of the physical world. Okay. The physical creation. Um, I think uh, I, I want to go through all of this first before we get to into the Gnosticism. Okay. That's going to be a pivotal part of what we're what this all show right. is going to be about. Alright, no biggie. So starting out, I'm going to start with Mark 13.6. Dad uh, mentioned this verse. It says, Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and will mislead many. The word I am is ego me. The same word in, uh, the same phraseology in Exodus 3.14, meaning I am, the term that God used for himself. So, Jesus used this word to um, 
to show his deity, he would when people would ask him questions, he would say, "Ego and me, I am," and th that was why he always had so much negative uh, reaction to the Jews whenever he said that. So, um, but this, what he's basically saying is that this Christ is going to use this ego and me thing. He's going to use a divine type wording, but he's going to say, I am the Christ. Uh, Matthew chapter 24, verse 5, where many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. Okay, so those are the passages that refer to that. Here are all the passages used in the anti uh, concerning the Antichrist. These are only used in the epistles of John. Nowhere else in Scripture. Only John uses these. Verse John 2:22. Who is the liar but one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? There is, that is Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Okay, so this person denies Jesus as the Christ, but most importantly, he denies the Father and the Son. And that seems to me to... Do you think that means that he denies the Trinity? Or is is this the same thing as since you're denying the, the Son, you're, you're denying, denying the Father? Yeah, if you deny the Son, you deny the Father. That's what that was implying. Yeah. Okay. And again, the Pope obviously can't do that, or else no, he, he can't. He's not a Catholic. Anymore. Yeah, he he is emphatically for Christ. No doubt about that. First uh, uh, John four three, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus is not from God, this. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that is coming, and now is already in the world. Uh, okay. So, this person denies that Jesus was sent right. by God. Right, that Jesus was not the Christ. And, and, and let me rephrase what I said earlier. 100% the Pope is for Jesus being the Christ. That's really the wording we're looking for. The person just mentioned here denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the this is the pivot point that's being referred to every single time. Yes. Second John 1 7. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not acknowledge Jesus is coming in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. So this is what led us to Gnosticism, because it says they denied that Jesus was the Christ, and this is was talking about Gnosticism. Very, it's very possible they're referring to Gnosticism. And um, so, what is Gnosticism? Well, it was an idea that knowledge was the way to salvation. It was based on the teachings of Plato. Plato came up with the idea uh, that. The invisible spiritual world was created by Monad, the one God from whom all goodness comes. To them, this is what they called the, God the Father. This is what they said, you, the unknown Father, you can't know him. But Gnosticism does not use the word creation, but emanations. So all spiritual beings, the aeons, flowed out of Monad's being, including Christ and Sophia. Sophia meaning wisdom. The material world was created by the Demiurge, the evil god and creator of the physical universe. He was created by Sophia, a, uh, an aeon of Monad, when she had a flawed idea. This god, the Christian Gnostics, identified with Satan, and even with the god of the Old Testament, 
uh, YHVH. From Gnosticism arose Docetism, which teaches that since all matter, matter is created by Satan and therefore evil, then Jesus is not a physical man in the flesh, and he just appeared to be. Jesus was just an emanation of God, like Sophia. So, it seems to me that this person is saying, I, I don't know, so who, what will this Antichrist be saying? Will he take the, the Gnostic route uh, will and then this will this is what we're we're thinking and what was arising to me was will the Antichrist be saying that God the Father is Monad and that his father Azazel is the Demiurge is the Demiurge instead of Jesus being the Demiurge yes and I, and I, we need to be careful not to say Jesus being the Demiurge because there was usually a negative connotation that matter was created evil and everything. And so, the... And, and even, it, it seems that he says that he, he, the Christ does not come in the flesh. He not denies Jesus and therefore the Father. And then he denies that the Christ, Jesus Christ, came in the flesh. So... Um, is he uh, applying, is he saying that, I mean, what is he going to do through denying Jesus? Is, is that, he's going to deny Jesus and deny that he came in the flesh, so, so what, what do you think he's going to be trying to teach? Well, that's the question, isn't it? Yeah. It, you know, the real stickler, let's do this. Okay. We know about the little horn, Daniel's little horn, right? Yeah. Which one is it? Is that the false prophet, or is that the the beast from the abyss? We agree that would be the false prophet, correct? Yeah. That would be the false prophet. Yes, and a lot of times when people read the book of Daniel, when it's referring to the false prophet, people think it's talking about the Antichrist. I mean, oh, they, they think that it's tongue to the beast about the beast of the sea. The beast of the sea is what Daniel 11 calls his god, mm -hmm, or right. the god of the Maazim, or god of fortresses. Yes, the Maazim. Yes. So, this, he has some sort of doctrine going on. He says that, um, we know this, he will, uh, say he's above all other gods, but he will... Um, worship the god of fortresses. Mm -hmm. so that saying is so. It seems like he he's trying to go in some sort of trinitarian type thing, saying that he is equal with his god. And we know that this is what he's actually able to do. God gives him the power to trample the host of heaven. Yeah, and <laughs> we're like, that's crazy. And um, so this is Revelation 13, uh, verse starting from verse 11. It describes the. Uh, false prophet or antichrist. It says, Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke as a dragon. This is the little horn. Yes. Yes. And he exercises all authority of the first beast in his presence. And he makes the, uh, the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast, whose fatal wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down out of heaven 
to the earth in the presence of men. He deceived those who dwell on earth because of the signs which it was given to him to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who had the wound of a sword and has come to life. And it was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast, so that, it would, so that the image of the beast would even speak and cause as many who do not worship the, worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, the small and great, the rich and the poor, and the free men and the slaves, to be given a mark on the right hand or on their forehead. And he provides that no one will be able to buy or sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Okay, so here you have the prime example of the ultimate scapegoat, right? This is the ultimate scapegoat. So you have to realize that the image is a scapegoat for the false prophet. Did you catch that? This is the ultimate uh, uh, scapegoat ritual going on here. We know that Satan absolutely gets a catch-22 going on. We know that because when Christ gets back, he does not get punished. He simply gets put into the holding cell. He gets put into the abyss, whereas both the beast and the false prophet is thrown into the lake of fire. He gets his catch-22 because the first thing he does when he gets down here is hands his authority over to the beast from the abyss, creating a scapegoat. Well, on top of this, take note that the false prophet does the same thing and has a scapegoat via this statue. Now, we have no event horizon with Christ this way, do we? Unless you take the warning as he's going into a Jerusalem for the triumphal entry, he warns them, look, don't tell the children to be quiet, because if you do, the rocks will cry out. Yeah, it's I a mean, threat that's never answered. I but, made an uh, argument to you last time that perhaps uh, that it was the Christ, the pre-incarnate Christ, who made man in, in the image of God. So, um, and you, I think it's very. This is what it's trying to point out with the image of the beast, because there's the image of God, and the image of the beast. He's trying to play a god role. Right. And that is undeniable. He's trying, yeah. He's trying to make his own. Uh, he's trying to make, first of all, his own people. And he's, you know, yes, he's trying. And to make what his exactly? What was Azazel trying to do in Genesis? Sorry, he was trying to make his own people. That's it, exactly what he was trying to do. It seems like he was trying to be. Oh, Enoch seems to be pointing out. He was trying to corrupt DNA, genetically engineer his own creatures. He was, that's why he was messing around with animals. And Absolutely. He, Absolutely. He, it seems like he was trying to engineer his own creatures to be a demiurge. Demiurge, I'm sorry. To be a demiurge. And so, really... What is the scapegoat ritual? Okay, who is the scapegoat really? I mean, it's it's a faulty translation for um, Azazel, but Azazel is not 
the scapegoat, in a sense. If you look at the ritual in Leviticus 16, this is what happens. There's lots drawn and there are two goats. There's One two. is for the Lord who is slaughtered. Which was Jesus. Yes. Jesus, the goat, slaughtered for the Lord. Slaughtered for YHVH, yes. Yes. And then the second one was set free for Azazel. That's right. That goat represents the false prophet, in my opinion. Okay. The goat is sent out to his father, Azazel. You see this, why is there, you know, right. who is the goat in the book of Daniel? Right. The shaggy, well, it all depends on which translation. But the shaggy goat, or the he goat. The Yes. In, in Hebrew, it says sair. It's the same word yeah. in there. That means a hairy thing. And it's also actually the same word used for, if you have KJV, it will call them satyrs. And in the NASB, we'll call them goat demons. Right. There's um, a sort. There were sort of um, the Seirim were uh, were sacrificed to in the wilderness right. as gods, and it seems to be that they were his. These were the scape. These are really what you would call the scapegoat, um, as opposed to Azazel. I guess Azazel would not technically be the scapegoat. He's the one to whom the scapegoat is sent. Right, but in this instance, that term must be applied to Satan, because he gives all of his authority to Azazel, and then he gets this catch-22. So literally, all the bad stuff is heaped upon the scapegoat, which is true, because Satan's smart enough to step back and put his hands behind his back and watch the show. So... The terminology is key, critical, because you're right. Sometimes when we say scapegoat, that's no, it's it's a zazzle. That's that's what it is. But everybody has been drilled and drilled and drilled and drilled and drilled. Okay, that it's a scapegoat from Leviticus chapter 16. But they're also drilled and drilled and drilled about the scape uh, about the Antichrist too. So we have to overcome those. Mm -hmm. <sighs> so this is one of this is very very key critical. That this goat is actually the word Sayir, which is mm -hmm. sent to Azazel. This is the same word used in Daniel for the goat from whom had the little horn on his head. Right. So you need um, you need to do your your y'all need to do your research on that because this is very important. But it also shows why he would play a sort of Christ role. Right, exactly. And it's very different from Jesus dying. Uh, we've once done a show, we once done, have done a show that he is, that he seems like he's assassinated of some, in some way. His spirit goes into the abyss with Azazel, and then when the fifth trumpet is blown, they both are released. And so, um, it, it seems that that is the event that triggers the abomination of desolation being set up. And who is the abomination of desolation? Is that Azazel? Or is that the image? Pause. you got to pause. When I say pause, you have to pause. You just left everybody in the dust. We have to give them who, what, where, when, why. This is how it happens. Okay? What is the tribulation trigger, Aaron? 
Um, he crosses the, uh, the false prophet crosses the Jordan to... And the Lord our God literally, at the same time, kicks us up to zero degree axis, correct? It's what the entire Bible says. Nothing contradicts that. Everything says that's the event horizon. So the Lord our God kills him himself. Right? In some way, yes. And it takes us time to get up to zero... Well, I'm not going to go into the... Uh, long diatribe with celestial mechanics when the when the abyss is opened up after that yes he is in it because God has killed his own axe and put him down God put him down and he comes back out with his boss with his well God Azazel yes and we were we were, uh, have formally talked about how theoretically he may be a, dis, a, a blood relative of Azazel in some manner. I don't know how for sure. But he would be able to call Azazel his father. His father, right. So now now let's get all the way back to the beginning. Because, we, I mean, everybody knows that we've talked about this a thousand times about the harlot. The harlot not in the sense... No. Easy, ladies and gentlemen. God can say more than one thing when he speaks, okay? So, everybody already knows that I've did broadcast here on the End Time Tribune that a dead ringer for that a queen of Babylon is Aragope. No doubt about it. No doubt. So, just easy. Yes, the harlot uh, in, in Revelation is a false church system. Quit touching the desk, please. Um, so let's back up a little bit. Alright. Is there going to be a real Mary involved in the beginning? Is there going to... Who, that is to say, is the nativity important to the false prophet? Is he going to claim that? More importantly, a virgin is, birth? Is he going to have a sign? No, no, not a virgin bird. Not a virgin bird. Well, <laughs> boy, I don't want to bark up that tree, really. But, but I really have to, Dan yeah. Daniel chapter 11 seems to imply that his birth has to do with a peace treaty between the two sides of Satan's oh, armies. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yes. So, is his birth significant? Yes. And Satan and the angel who rebelled against him... They both know it. Okay, so that is to say that this cloven mother is cloven to... Uh, and how do I say that? Uh, there is no politically correct for this, is there? Somehow, Azazel's genetic is there. Whether it's by the cloven mother or 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 we go ahead and talk about this little thing that we had going on in the background with this zygote. Yeah. So, um, the... Daniel chapter 11 refers to a peace treaty between the two sides. Okay, so it refers to the king of the south and how one of his princes rebels against him and mm -hmm. makes a great kingdom. He becomes known as the king of the north. 
Mm -hmm. uh, these I, I have identified the King of the South referring to Satan and his loyal angel uh, Abaddon and the other and King of the North represents Belial I'm not sure if or Belial however you pronounce it I, I don't know if that's his true name or, or not I just used that to designate between the two but these two armies and, are and, and let's clarify these two armies are represented scriptorally by serpents and scorpions? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so you have them fighting, but they both, both are fighting over something called the Maos, or Fortress. Who is the Maos? And we've uh, come to grips with that's probably what the angels used to refer to their messiah. They refer to, they, and perhaps it refers to the Messiah Ben Joseph, because um, uh, because uh, he is because Ephraim is called the Maos of God. Right, right. Um, so it seems that they're fighting over it, and then they come to a peace treaty, and a, the daughter of Satan is, is what a it cloven. seems. Yes, a cloven is given to the North yes who bears a child this is what I call the males and what I think is Belial's side has found the DNA of Azazel Satan's side has found has bred the perfect mother for it has bred the perfect clover and so they both make a peace treaty because you, they can't have the Messiah, their, their Messiah without each other. So literally they do an in vitro fertilization. I'm not sure, but yeah, poss very possibly. Oh yeah. And we, we suggested perhaps there is there's some way that archaeologically they find the DNA. Um, I don't know if, there, if it's possible that there's any living relative that could still have his blood. But we have found dinosaur bones that have that have blood vessels in them and near DNA, near what you could call viable DNA. tissue. Yeah, viable they're, tissue. They're viable tissue. So perhaps they could find a nephilim of well, one of the nephilim like that or something by which they could find the DNA. And that's very possible. I don't want to go all conspiracy theory out there because I don't have the I don't have the evidence f to make that argument. But that's what it seems to me. That somehow Belial has the DNA. And Satan's armies have to make a peace treaty. Because they have the perfect mother for him. Or what they call the daughter of women, the daughter of the south, and what they also call the harlot of Babylon. The harlot of Babylon, yes. The harlot of Babylon. So this is the only way that all these things make sense. And... We're probably blowing people's mind because we just went about ten hundred feet over their head. Um, yeah, this literally what we're saying is this is reason why this false prophet is said to have two horns. He's literally half serpent, half scorpion. He is half Satan's loyal forces and half of of the ones that rebelled against Satan. Yes, and I one think one horn this is, for each. And I think when it says that his this horn it reaches high into the heavens, it causes some to fall down. I think that once they are unified, that under him 
the two armies are unified, right? And he causes them to have war in heaven. Yeah, that's when they attack. They surmise that now that all Satan's forces are in league one with another, they presuppose that they have the wherewithal to assault the host loyal to heaven. Yeah, and it says, and it says he literally because of their transgression he tramples over them and he has dominion over them yes and it seems that the star in, in in revelation 9 the star that comes out of heaven and opens the bottomless pit i think this is abaddon who was loyal to satan at the time and now because of his transgression he has to open up the pit for azazel so that's my opinion on the matter so <laughs> boy you talk about get your knee off. Boy, you talk about fully throttling somebody's faith. That's 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 we just redlined it. We just turned the volume all the way up. Come to grips with all of these things. This is really what uh, since the very first Christian conspiracy theory where it was all going. Because the entertainment industry has completely destroyed all the edifying information that's right there in the Bible, but people just literally, wow, they literally believe in fairy tales, fantasy and fairy tales. Um, and it just blows me away, but when you look at this, you start asking the hard questions. Okay. So there was a Mary. Is there going to be a Mary? Of course, there's a cloven. You know, is there going to be you know, what is he exactly going to do? Well, you take what happened with Legion. What happened with Legion? Legion clearly said Christ had been given the authority over him. He could cast him in the abyss right now if he wanted to. He's gonna, so you know that uh, the false prophet is going to also wield that power. That's why you're being told. So that's a mimic. That's, that's a mirror. And the biggest thing we have is... Well, the most important part about the nativity is the sign, right? Mm -hmm. So this is this is really off the hook. What could that sign be? What would it be? What could it be? Yes, and this would, of course, I mean, depending on how long it takes for him to mature, um, this would be long before the tribulation that the sign appears. And it makes you wonder, like, there was, back in 2017, you were talking about that one symbol in the heavens of... I stated the opposite that everybody else said, and of course it didn't come true. It wasn't the rapture, because it made a Urea crown. That is the crown of Egypt with the serpent on it, clearly depicted that way. That was a <clears throat> bad sign, not a good one. So, so what happened, you're, we're not really explaining what happened. In 2017, there was there was two constellations that lined up. There was um, Leo uh, went over the head of which one was it? Virgo. Virgo. Uh, Virgo representing the Virgin, of course. But the, it seems to be a crown over her head. It's a so, crown. Yes. Is this the this uh, it seemed to also correspond with Revelation chapter 12 when it refers to the seven stars over the head of the woman. So. Is so? Could that be the? Was that the sign that the cloven 
had been found. The cloven had been found, or perhaps the, the child was born? And we're basically just waiting for him to mature, and we don't even know how long that would take, but... I mean, that's possible that that one's it, or... So, so wait a minute, let's, let's stop for a minute. You're, you're going one step, three steps further. You know, I was trying to be elusive because you need to understand this even has its own Wikipedia article. You know, the the Revelation 12 that's signed. Now, let me get to there real quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry about this impromptu. Okay, let's switch over. Sorry about that. Um, you have to realize that... Everybody else says this was good, this was good, this was good. I'm saying the exact opposite, and I made a video on this, um, on the uh, uh, this exact sign, giving the how the three planets lined up to create the Urea crown. Is this when she, when they performed the in vitro fertilization with... Or that he was born, or something like that. Well, right. Well, she got her crown. Her crown look. Look, man. What made Mary special? What was Mary's crown? Mary wasn't nothing until she conceived the Christ, right? Yeah. So this crown on this harlot's head would be a sign that they had they had inserted the zygo the. Well, what was Mary's... Embryo. What was Mary's crown? She was overshadowed. Right. The Holy Spirit had filled her, and right. by that she conceived. Right. And perhaps this has something, like, oppositely, this has something to do with, um, perhaps uh, Azazel's actual son, um, uh, which we, we argue may have been Beelzebul. Right. Uh, or Beelzebub, as you may have heard him. Right. Um, perhaps the spirit had something to do with it. Maybe they find his body and his DNA, and that's what the zygote comes from. That'd be off the hook. Um, yeah, that would absolutely be off the hook. Uh, <laughs> boy, we probably really throttled somebody with a... Maybe this conversation should, <laughs> should stay private, I don't know. But... Um, <laughs> Boy, Aaron, you, you. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, I'm really hesitant to say any more, but they get the gist of the matter that that Revelation 12 sign probably was the in vitro fertilization being performed with the cloven. So please try to understand, ladies and gentlemen, that all that I have taught about the harlot in Revelation that is true. Prophetically, it is, you know, a, a worshiping religious system, but it's also a cloven. So, so for you, all of you who did not watch our episode on the cloven, the cloven are, in short, they are women who have uh, had sex with an angel, and they are, they have genetically cleaved to them uh, as a woman would with a man, but and because angels have not been divided like man was, they become, they receive some of their genetic material. The Book of Enoch uses the word, uh, uses the word 
sirens. That's the Septuagint's translation for the saying, um, the translation for the saying, uh, daughters of defilement. It basically means, sometimes your translations will say ostriches. Very, very bad translation. But it means the daughters of defilement. If, uh, if you want to know anything on that, uh, be sure to message me on Facebook. Yeah, we'll we'll do that here in a second. Let me get this up. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, I try to get everything in, in uh, all the ducks in a row. But uh, all right, let's switch back over to Firefox. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you can uh, find us um, on the Fringe Radio Network, of course. That's on Spreaker. Um, uh, the Cloven would be all the way. The bottom. That was our first one, wasn't it? Or was it the Oh, the Book of Enoch and the Fallen Archangels. Okay, no, it was. It was third. <laughs> third time is a charm. Um, also, you can find that on uh, the YouTube channel. Just go to Playlist. And then go to Christian Conspiracy Theory. And it's uh, there, too. It'll be right there. So, uh, either way, you want to get it. Um, we're also on Twitter, of course. Matthew Miller 49 uh, here is the Facebook. Uh, there's my latest post there if you want to hook up with us that way. Uh, the website, according to the scripture.wordpress.com, that's there's Aaron's, Aaron's latest uh, post. Uh, boy, that one's one everybody should look at. Ezekiel's 430-year Hanukkah prophecy. So, um, oh, give a plug for your book, Aaron. Um, well, to, to you all who don't know, this is a translation of uh, the Greek fragments of the Book of Enoch. Most of you have prob probably read the Ethiopian translation. It's very different, but this Greek, uh, this Greek translation presents the fragments by which you can compare it to the Bible. It is key to the Strong's Concordance, and it is uh, interlinear to which I have a new... English translation, which I did myself, and then we have the Greek on the next. Both the English and Greek have been keyed to the Strong's Concordance for your study. So, wow, off the hook. Uh, and hey, if you want a signed copy, you're going to have to hook up with Aaron to get one, uh, but you can get one. All right, well, uh, good stuff, Aaron. I hope it's been enough to get everybody. Uh, pointed in the right direction, get you hungry, get you thirsty, get into Genesis chapter 6, get into Leviticus chapter 16, get into uh, uh, Daniel's little horn, get into Revelation, start hammering these things out because, you know, I have been very hesitant to say what Aaron came right out into the public. I mean, I made that video. All I did was I said that this is a Uriah crown the queen of Egypt. Revelation tells you that the whole planet has become Egypt now. So, he come right out and told you that, nah, that was probably a sign that she had been, well, the venom had been injected into her womb. So, uh, with that, ladies and gentlemen, um, remember, uh, sharing is caring, so uh, please do like, share, and subscribe. And uh, until next time, God bless.
Godspeed.